conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Fighting continues to rage in Ukraine with estimates of many thousands of civilian dead and injured there, along with many thousands more of military dead and injured on both sides. And European government officials and civilian observers are warning that Russian President Vladimir Putin may resort to nuclear weapons if he can't win on a conventional battlefield. Some 350 million people in communist China are now under some sort of lockdown over massive outbreaks of the COVID-19 Omicron virus there, leaving many of them starving, desperate, and destitute. This is how the government of China treats its people. One observer, Lei of YouTube's Lei's Real Talk, wonders if CCP leader Xi Jinping is using the lockdown to prepare the Chinese people for the depredations of war should China invade Taiwan. And with all this madness, here in the USA, we have plenty more of it to contend with as food and energy prices, along with both everything else, skyrocket amid supply chain disruptions and reports of many mysterious fires and explosions destroying food processing plants around the USA and Canada. We've had the weakest economic growth in decades this past quarter. The stock markets are retreating, and we appear to be spiraling toward recession and possibly even a depression. Meanwhile, our government is more concerned about pushing radical communist ideas and policies on us, the latest being the establishment of the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. Is this a frantic attempt by Joe Biden and his handlers to control the narrative about his and his family's appalling corruption scandals and influence of the Communist Chinese Party, that is the CCP? One of the many government officials who has failed us, former Attorney General Bill Barr, who ignored the glaring corruption evidence of the Hunter Biden laptop before and after the 2020 election, and then did the same about the mounting evidence emerging of election fraud that year, has recently declared that it would be a bad idea and mistake for President Trump to run in 2024. Bill Barr believes it's a bad idea for Trump to run in 2024. But then, what is Bill Barr but a rhino extraordinaire, deep state mole and shill, and ever the faithful and very rich servant of the corporate elite? The same elite who, with their supposed pals in the CCP, keep getting richer and richer with their money from China. The same elite who are helping to prepare us to be handed over to the CCP one day as subjugated servants and slaves. It all sure can make you lose sleep at night. But there is some good news to report also. As American patriots continue to fight back in this epic struggle to take back our country and reestablish our freedoms, common sense, as opposed to the madness of Marxism, and eventually, we hope, clean up the corruption in our government, cultural, and business institutions. To begin with, as more and more evidence emerges of the widespread and well-orchestrated fraud in the 2020 election, on April 22nd, 
lawyer is representing Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake and Secretary of State candidate Mark Fincham filed a request for a preliminary injunction in federal district court seeking to ban the use of electronic voting equipment in that state in the upcoming 2022 midterm elections. The lawyers, Andrew Parker, Kurt Olson, and Harvard law professor and constitutional scholar Alan Dershowitz, are part of a team organized by election integrity warrior Mike Lindell, who contends communist China and other foreign and domestic actors were involved in hacking of those machines across the country on and around Election Day 2020, flipping possibly millions of votes cast for Donald Trump to Joe Biden, thus helping Biden win the election. Lindell is waging a campaign against the use nationwide of electronic voting machines, citing a great deal of evidence that the machines are inherently vulnerable to cyber attacks. Lindell states that this is the first of what he plans to will be similar legal actions against the use of electronic voting equipment in every state. You can find out more about this issue on Lindell's free speech website, frankspeech.com. On the homepage, you can scroll down to view the down and download the 55-page complaint filed to block use of voting machines in Arizona. Also on that homepage, you can watch and download the video Hacking America's Voting Machines, as well as numerous other videos on the subject. Lindell and other election integrity supporters have noted that the voting machine companies tasked with administering elections of the U.S. continue to refuse forensic inspection of their electronic voting equipment including the routers associated with them, which Lindell and his team contend would show the cyber attacks that occurred across the country in the 2020 election. If I'm understanding their argument argument correctly, the voting machine companies claim that they are private entities and their equipment and software is proprietary and therefore not public and subject to such inspection. In an interview broadcast on frankspeech.com, attorney Alan Dershowitz, again, a constitutional scholar, stated that voting machine companies that are allowed to run elections thus become part of the government. And therefore, it's absurd that they should be able to prevent forensic inspection and analysis of their equipment. In another development on the election integrity front, conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza, in the next few days, is releasing his new video documentary, 2000 Mules, which he says will conclusively show that the 2020 election was stolen through large-scale ballot harvesting fraud. This would be in addition, in addition to whatever cyber attacks occurred and with the electronic voting equipment. You can view the video online by signing up for as little as $5 a month to become a member of D'Souza's Locals.com channel at Dinesh, that's D-I-N-E-S-H, dot locals.com. To watch a trailer for the video, do an in- internet search for 2,000 mules. As I reported on my last show, another new election fraud video was recently released by the group Citizens United called Rigged, the Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat President Trump. That video makes the case also that the country-wide ballot harvesting scheme funded with hundreds of millions of dollars from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm assuming that this Funding was what the 2000 Mules vid- is what the 2000 Mules video also involves <clears throat> was enough in itself to throw the election to Biden. <clears throat> I watched this video after doing an internet search for it and paying five dollars. It's it's well worth the money. <clears throat> and another and another big event <clears throat> over the past week, 
Tesla and SpaceX mogul Elon Musk's bid to buy big tech's worldwide online speech regulating behemoth, Twitter, was approved by that organization's board of directors, sparking panic on the political left over fear of losing one of their biggest propaganda machines. We're going to listen to several sound bites with discussion of the implications for free speech that this momentous event has raised. There's a great deal of praise on the political right, many of whose best and brightest commentators were, commentators were banned from Twitter in recent years, including President Trump, who has sub 90 million, had some 90 million followers on Twitter. Trump, by the way, just commented on his, his new web, free speech website, Truth Social, that he, is a, that he does not intend to return to Twitter. And while Elon Musk has declared that he is a near absolutist when it comes to free speech, I and many other observers are concerned about Musk's deep entanglement with communist China and its ruling CCP red aristocracy, as it's called. Musk has repeatedly praised communist China, where he has major manufacturing operations and sells half his Tesla cars. And while Twitter is banned in China, it hasn't stopped the CCP from using it regularly to push communist propaganda. So it remains to be seen just how much free speech will occur on the new Twitter. Okay, let's get started with our recorded, recorded audio for this program. First, here's audio from the program China Insider with David Zhang, April 21, on NTT TV. It's called Six Crises Threatening America from Within. I consider David Zhang one of the country's premier journalists, particularly with his knowledge and insights about China. On this program, Zhang interviews former naval officer and China expert Stu Sirk, who explains how cultural Marxism, communist infiltration, and so-called woke, that is leftist, ideologies serve the interests of those who want to see the United States fall. Play soundbite one, please. Six crises serve to hollow out America. Open border, cultural Marxism, destroying education, green policies, and the lack of political dissent, with China eyeing to take over. Today, I explore what the crises are with Stu Swark, a retired captain of the Navy and China expert. He explains how Marxism, the communist infiltration, and woke ideologies serve the interest of those who wish to see the U.S. fall. Stu Swark, thank you so much for joining us again on China Insider. Happy to be here, David. Thanks for the opportunity. Tell us about the reason you uh, define cultural Marxism as one of the crises. Cultural Marxism has basically uh, infiltrated almost all of academia and our cultural institutions over the years. Uh, it, it came over from the Frank Frankfurt School in, in Germany into uh, Columbia University, where it got where it, uh, sprang sprang roots, and then lo and behold, we hear all of, we we learn all of these new uh, cultural Marxism uh, elements like just deconstructionism, um, postmodernism, all of the social justice, uh, environmental justice movements, even BLM kinds of things uh, came came as a result of cultural Marxism, and basically what's happened is is all of our academic institutions are now. Uh, deeply embedded with cultural Marxists who are trying to change and uproot uh, traditional American values. Uh, the family are trying to basically destroy the family. And th they're also trying to d do away with uh, the 
American exceptionalism that has been the basis for how this country has evolved over time. So, I mean, it's it's really an, an insidious movement. Uh, there are many people in the political class who are, are swept up in it as well. Cultural Marxism uh, is in the media. They use the same terminology and the words that the academics dream up, the philosophies, the, the, ideolo the ideology. Again, it's all, un all intended to undermine uh, the American Republic, to do away with the uh, U.S. Constitution by, by, by so-called modernizing it, making it, making the Constitution uh, uh, evolve from what the original intent was. All these things are intended to essentially undermine the American Republic and doing great damage to, to society in general. Why is it that in a nature like Marxism, they have to constantly evolve the rules? Well, Marxism, in my mind, has always been uh, a situation, an ideology that sets man above God. And therefore, with man being in charge as opposed to the immutable principles of God and morality, Mankind, uh, whoever runs a, a, a particular uh, Marxist or authoritarian society, can arbitrarily change based on a whim, a personal whim. So if something doesn't work or if a cockamamie idea like, the, for example, the Lysenkoism of the, of the uh, Soviet Union, when they, when they screwed up their, their farming system by, by these crazy Marxist ideas, well, they can, you know, they can change on a whim because, you know, they're, they're uh, experiments on the rest of the rest of their people don't work so they can change as they wish they have no, they're not grounded in any real principles or any morals at all and therefore everything becomes arbitrary you also say speak about the infiltration of uh, china into america tell us the defining traits or identifiable uh, examples i'm shaking this. my head because it's just astounding uh about 20 years ago there were hardly any news reports at all about uh Chinese uh, spying in the United States or any corruption or any theft of intellectual property or what now, whatnot. But, but these days, now you, you see all kinds of uh, articles popping up saying that there, there's a spy that's going to be going on trial at, at, at this location or a university professor was caught uh, providing intellectual property to uh, the MSS in, in China what have you. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And that, they are basically in, involved in corrupting virtually every sector of American society. Once again, academia is, is almost overwhelmed with, with, with Chinese corruption, whether it's uh, using the Confucius Institutes. You know, there used to be, you know, a hundred plus of those uh, next to each, next to different uh, colleges and universities in the United States. But now that they've been kind of found out and, and, and the uh, American public and, and, the, and the Congress has, has shine, shown some light on. They're only down, they're down to a, you know a handful now. But the point is 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 they have they've used that as a way to culturally influence people, uh, and they've also used money as well. As that article uh, stated in the University of Pennsylvania is a perfect example. Uh, they gave something like fifty four million dollars to UPenn over a period of several years. And interestingly enough, that money really started popping up when the when Biden declared his Biden senator senator at the, at the University of Pennsylvania. So you know that the Chinese aren't spending or aren't aren't making these donations just for you know out of the goodnesses of their hearts. They want to get something out of the process. And lo and behold, that's what they're that's what they're getting right now as a result. They're they invested in in uh, academia. They invested in in the Bidens. 
and they're getting some return on their investment. Now, they're, they're also co-opting uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, they use venture capital as a means of influencing some of these startups. Startups are, are, are where some of the really front-leaning ideas in technology are first developed. Uh, and if you can capture those, those future ideas, which haven't quite made it into uh, commercialization, you can get a, a, a leg up on the next generation uh, capabilities, which will lead into a significant uh, economic payoff at some point in time. So they've also made investments in the political class. Uh, I've written articles in the past that show all the different people in the U.S. political class who've, who've received money or whose relatives, namely spouses in particular, have gotten rich through Chinese contracts simply because they're they're. Uh, significant other spouses <laughs> were members of Congress. I mean, it's absurd. You can go back to the Clintons uh, for for, Clint, for all the Chinagate uh, activities back in the 1990s. I mean, the, the political class is, has been has been undermined, if you want to call it that, and corrupted. So, I mean, so there you go. You got high tech. You've got academia. Well, Hollywood's another place. I mean, now the biggest the biggest draw for for uh, the movie industry, the biggest market is China. So, guess what? The Chinese have some say in content of the movies that get uh, that get uh, produced and shown in theaters there. And you can't put, you know, Hollywood producers and directors really are self-censored. They, they can't put anything that's that's anti-Chinese, anti-CCP in their movies. Par you know, have, heaven forbid that they would say anything all at all about the uh, the Uyghur genocide or the Tibetans or, or uh, Falun Gong. Uh, persecution that anything that any movies that would have that that kind of content will never see the light of day and of course the hollywood people know that so it's just horrible another another way that uh, that the chinese are are, are influencing uh, american institutions is through the media they've actually bought and sold a lot of uh, advertising you know the media in the U.S. has been going in through a lot of struggles with the with the advent of the internet. I mean, people used to get their their news every day from either watching the three networks on TV, you know, the nightly news, or they'd read their local local or their regional or national newspaper to get their information. Now there's a zillion sources, and guess what? All those big companies, media companies, you know, are struggling to find ways to to make money, and so to make ends meet, they're happy to accept Chinese money. And when you accept Chinese money, once again, you're going to be slightly corrupted and you're not going to you're going to be careful about the kind of content that you put out and you don't want to turn the money spigot off. So you're going to do either pro Chinese things or you're going to avoid subjects that are that are uh, embarrassing, call it to the communists. So, so that's that's kind of a short run through of, of where of, of where they're in, uh, corrupting our, our institutions. I've referenced earlier on this program and previous ones the cadre of American oligarchs getting ever more wealthy with sweet investment and business deals in communist China and eager to keep up the endless flow of capital from the USA to the CCP, which controls everything in China and is largely dependent on this money for their power and control of the government, economy, and people there. Here's audio from former Trump advisor Steve Bannon's War Room program, April 20, in which Bannon interviews China critic Frank Gaffney about an effort to use U.S. federal employee pension funds to help funnel more money to China. Please play soundbite two. 
Frank Gaffney. Frank Gaffney. Tell me about Larry Fink and what we're combating here, sir. Larry Fink, of course, runs uh, the largest uh, financial operation on Wall Street, uh, BlackRock, some 10 trillion dollars under management. He is an oligarch. You're absolutely right about that, Steve. He has um, his fingers in practically everything. He's trying to transform uh, all of our businesses into uh, ESG compliant ones, environment, social justice, governance, and so on. But the biggest piece of his um, malevolence, I believe, is his commitment to underwriting the Chinese Communist Party with our money. And he's been doing that by putting China into the various funds that uh, BlackRock either owns itself or um, invests in. And now he is trying to use his position managing, I believe, 80 percent of the federal government's thrift savings plan into China, despite the fact that when Donald Trump learned of a similar effort two years ago, which would have the effect to be very blunt about it, of having military personnel whose money is in the thrift savings plan, investing it in, among other things, Chinese Communist Party, People's Liberation Army companies, buying the weapons with which to kill them. And Donald Trump said, we're not going to do that. And it came to a screeching halt until shortly before this conversation, at which point Larry Fink and the group that runs something called the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board, I call it FARTIB for short, has taken it upon themselves to say, well, wait, wait a minute, we've got another idea. We won't compel all of the investors, if they want to have invest international investments, to put that in China. But here's what we'll do instead. We'll offer them 5,000 mutual funds. And oh, by the way, we're not even going to ask whether there's China in those mutual funds. It's too much work, they've told us. And so what is going to happen is they'll be offered in a mutual fund window come June if we don't derail this effort. And you're going to have the same thing happening. You're going to have American federal employees, civilian and military, past and present, winding up putting money into mutual funds with money going to the Chinese Communist Party. That must not Frank, happen. Hang on. We're going to take you through the break. Frank Gaffney. Um, talk to me about the Fink, all these guys, Graham Allison, Kissinger, this whole crowd of our, of our betters. Well, I know Fennell, you've been talking to the great Captain Fennell, who's the best. But tell me, but give me, give, give me an intellectual construct for that crowd. Well, I was talking to Captain Fennell just to see how he felt about this problem, that guys like him would be putting money into weapons designed to kill them. He was horrified, and he came up with a term, which I think is both elegant and apt. He calls people like Larry Fink. And for that matter, the guys who were, you know, breeding a new crowd of China hands at Harvard University, like Larry Summers and Chaz Freeman and your friend Graham Allison, he calls them CSP groomers because that's what they're doing. They're grooming us, whether it's investment guys or whether it's students or whether it's others in the public at large all to believe that we can just do business with China and it won't matter that they want 
to kill us all. And so, T- Steve, we're putting together a campaign. Uh, we should have it up live, I think, by this afternoon, hopefully in time for your show at five. Align Act will have a platform that you can engage in through presentdangerchina.org, our Committee on the Present Danger China's website, presentdangerchina.org, where you can sign up to help those in America's military yeah. and other patriots yeah. say no to the idea that these thrift savings plans will, notwithstanding Donald Trump's orders, be used to help support our mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party. I think we fought this battle with you guys in the very beginning of the show when we did War on Impeachment, the Frank Gaffney. Two years ago. In, in Kyle, two years, Kyle Bass. Look, this was a huge struggle with Donald J. Trump. And when Trump understood it, boom, it was done. But I got to tell you, God. to get into that network of vipers that were around him, particularly on the Treasury side, Treasury the Treasury Department, Department the yeah, Treasury Department that fought, fought <laughs> and fought every day. Oh, no, this is just free market capitalism crap. You're underwriting the Chinese Communist Party, and they're doing it on purpose. Graham Allison, Ray Dalio, organization, exactly. transnational criminal. Ray Dalio, uh, Graham Allison, uh, uh, Summers, Fink, uh, Schwartzman, the whole crowd, CCP right. groomers. Frank You're Gaffney, one moved. more time, give the address. Give the. We'll get you up here. We'll get the team back when you get it up, and tell people where to go. Wonderful. Uh, PresentDangerChina.org. You can see a wonderful letter we sent to these guys, putting them on notice and asking some hard questions. As did Marco Rubio, Tommy Tupperville, and Tom Cotton. What are you doing, guys? And we need the answers before this goes forward. That's for sure. Thank you, sir. Always appreciative of the committee on the President Danger. Thank you. If you're a present or former federal employee whose retirement money is involved here, or if, like me, you just don't agree with this scheme to help fund our eventual destruction, you can visit the website presentdangerchina.org and there view more information about Larry Fink's plan and take action to express your opposition to it. You just click a, a button and send emails opposing this thing to your elected representatives as well as uh, – members of the federal government. It's pretty good. And I just wanted to point out uh, Frank Gaffney there, like many of us uh, in the extemporaneous uh, expressions he makes, he's referred to CSP groomers. He was referring to, as uh, Steve Bannon corrected later, CCP groomers. In other words, getting us ready to be welcoming our uh, the people in the CCP who plan to take us over. Now let's get into commentary on Elon Musk's purchase of big tech's mega global socialist inf- social influencer, well, socialist too, Twitter. To start, here's audio from another great program on NTT, te- NTT television, China in Focus with Tiffany Meyer. It's from the April 27 edition titled, Will Musk's Twitter Be Influenced by China? Please play soundbite three. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Will the Chinese Communist Party gain influence over Twitter through Musk? NTD's Don Ma speaks to experts to break down the topic. There are definitely arguments for both sides. Those who say Beijing may gain influence over Twitter point to Musk's Tesla business in China. China is one of the biggest markets for Tesla. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos raised the question on Twitter, did the Chinese government just gain a bit of leverage over the town square? 
the town square being Twitter. And Nat Alon Beck, professor of law at Case Western Reserve University, says there are definitely concerns. Well, I think he's definitely in a spot where he has a conflict of interest. I think he's very vulnerable. Whether it's whether he's compromised or not, time will tell. But we do know that he has a lot of skin in the game, as we say in China. But China expert David Zhang argues that Musk's businesses in China won't affect Twitter. I think the Twitter issue and the his China business is two separate issues that's essentially being conflated into one. I think his Twitter acquisition is a real opportunity for him to show that he is for free speech. When it's a free speech platform, you're going up against the very core of the principles of communism, which is censorship, which is not allowing people to talk. Does the fact that Musk seems to be going against the core principles of communism mean that he won't let Beijing influence Twitter? Alan Beck suggests we wait and see. I'm not only going to take a look at his words. Let's take a look at his actions, and time will tell. Let's take a look at his actions and see. I think that actions speak louder than words. Jeff Bezos has since walked back on his question on whether Musk's Twitter will be influenced by China. He wrote on Twitter, "My own answer to this question is probably not. The more likely outcome in this regard is complexity in China for Tesla." Rather than censorship at Twitter, Musk is extremely good at navigating this kind of complexity. Don Ma, NTD News. So Jeff Bezos, with major business in China, as I understand it, and also his pro-communist Washington Post, is is criticizing Elon Musk or questioning Elon Musk. <laughs> Very interesting. Also from April 27 on Bannon's War Room program. Steve Bannon discusses how he believes Musk is paying too much for Twitter, including the selling of Tesla stock, which Musk has to sell a lot of to raise his share of the purchases of Twitter. This has resulted in Tesla's stock value dropping by something like 126 billion dollars lately. At this point, it doesn't appear Musk will be backing out of the Tesla deal as Bannon wants, so that, as Bannon says, Musk could then come back later and quote buy it smartly unquote for a lot less. Play soundbite four, please. My recommendation, Elon Musk, today, if I was his financial advisor on the rate side, and if I was on the defense, I would tell people be very careful. I don't know actually what the terms and conditions, all the terms and conditions of the、uh, definitive agreement, and what are the financing outs, etc. But I don't assume he's he's got all the financing. I'm sure that's coming into place. T-、uh, Tesla, <laughs> Tesla. And this is the Financial Times. Tesla dented as investors count on Musk share sale to pay for Twitter. Dented, it lost 126 billion dollars in value yesterday. 126 billion dollars, which would be what? Am I math correct? Three Twitters.、Um, Elon Musk, and he had, and I don't want to name names, but you had all the pom poms out from the from the conservative Inc. Right, the conservative Inc. All the pom is so wonderful. Elon Musk. And he's a complicated guy. We're not huge fans because of his、uh, what he does in, in、um, transhumanism at Neuralink, very dangerous. And he's one of the leaders. No matter what he says about AI, he's one of the leaders. <clears throat> he's also deeply in bed with the Chinese Communist Party out of Shanghai. I think they basically where he's got free cash flow. But Tesla's always been not really a company; it's an idea. I mean, I think it trades it. I want to say thirty times sales. It's some absurd. Valuation. That's why it drops so much. And you're seeing one of the great, I think, short squeezes 
or, or excuse me, margin calls on, on him to, to finance this because he doesn't have a ton of cash. He's got a lot of stock and sometimes in privately held companies or sometimes in publicly traded that are, that are um, uh, the valuations are ephemeral, right? Let's say you can't make payroll off that stock. Elon Musk today should notify the board of Twitter that he's out. He's pulling the offer. He should pull the offer today. The stock will drop 20%. Because here's why all, all all the cupcakes and all the all the snowflakes there, the management team and the junior grandoons, we can't believe he's going to come into the building. We're going to sabotage things. The 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 woman who kicked Trump off and kicked me off is sitting there crying in meetings. The, the head uh, legal person who made all these decisions about kicking people off, kicking conservatives off, she made the personal decision about uh, the hard drive from hell of never mentioning it and shutting it down. Her. Okay, and she's got big liabilities, so you should preserve your documents, ma'am. He should pull the bid today, let the stock drop, and tell the board, hey, since you don't have another offer, eh, you know, go to law. I didn't like what management said about me. I didn't like the I didn't like the angle of attack. There's no competing bid. And here's what it's telling you, since it's priced below where the stock traded eight months ago, they don't even have an operating plan to deliver to get the stock back up. Screw Twitter. And say, boom, you know, here's my number. After you have about 500 lawsuits against you for breach of your fiduciary responsibility, call me back. And maybe you broom this management team. You know, Twitter, all the snowflakes in Twitter is that, you know, he's a, a white heterosexual a South African Nazi. And, you know, it's going to put Trump back on us. No, he can't have Trump. You saw Mar Ari Melbourne told you what they thought. Oh, well, you could shadow ban people and you could have it if he runs it. Twitter needs a punch in the face, okay? We need to play smash mouth with the company. Elon Musk right now should pull the offer. They're not going anywhere. They don't have a competing offer. The board didn't sit there and say, hey, you lowballed us. You're 20, what, 2% or 25%, 20%. You're below where the stock traded when Getter launched back in July because we tracked it every day. And it's down for a couple points. I think it's, I think it peaked at 73, roughly. Okay? This is a discount. I don't know how you get a fairness opinion. If you can't get a premium to the, 12, the, the previous, 12, where the stock traded, here's why you can't. The management team doesn't have a plan that can deliver any set of revenues and earnings without Trump and the conservatives on there. Okay? This is so obvious. If we stay off, they can't hit their numbers. They don't have a business. Elon Musk, if you want to buy, and by the way, you're getting you're getting margin calls like crazy. He's got no cash. He doesn't have any cash. It's all privately held stock. Or it's this ephemeral, ladies and gentlemen, his company lost $127 billion in market cap yesterday. Just on the announcement of this. Why? The subheadline. They know he's going to have to actually go sell stock into a marketplace, not some trading on the margin that you're going to have to actually sell the stock for cash to fund his part of the Twitter bid. Twitter is vastly overvalued right now. Pull the bid. Let the stock drop. It'll drop. The board will be in panic. I want every shareholder's bought stock. You go sue the board for breach of fiduciary responsibility. And the board turns around and let's blow out that management team. You don't need to hit the guy's pontificating. Yeah, we're devaluing. She's sitting there. This is a terrible day. Get rid of them. Have the market force them out. Elon Musk, guys, if you don't, if you buy this company at this price, you're a sucker.
that's over you don't have to pay it they don't have a competing bid number one if they had an alternative they had somebody in the in the in the data room they would have never agreed to your deal they said no 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 I mean, we got to get other guys in here 10 more guys their other they have two other alternatives one is get a competing bid a white knight it's not there they would have never had the meeting on sunday or never agreed to the deal number two is let management put together their deal that management team couldn't finance uh, a, uh, a, uh, a ice cream stand. They couldn't sell lemonade. They can't sell lemonade. Okay, they couldn't do it. They couldn't finance it. Not a, not a venture capital, private equity, hedge fund, anybody going to come in and back that management team. Disaster. Ar- and arrogant. Arrogant disaster. And, 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 and the third is the company just hit your earnings. Okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit our earnings. We've got a plan. We're going to hit our earnings. Get, get, get rid of Musk. Get rid of all this noise. We're going to hit our plan. And as we show earnings... As we show revenue and more earnings, the stock will come back and we'll be at a 10% or 20% premium a year from now. I've done this. Walk them through the model. Just got to hit it. No margin, no multiple expansion, same multiple. Boom. Here's what you're going to do. Here's, and here's management. The board's sitting there with the fish eye looking at management. They don't have a white knight. Management can't get a nickel of financing because they're incompetent and arrogant. And they can't hit their plan. Screw them. Screw them. The stock dropped because they got rid of Trump and then they started in the conservatives and, and, and Parler and Gab and Rumble and Getter and all of them started to come up with their small but their alternatives and guys wouldn't go back. Punch them right in the face. Twitter deserves to be up in their grill. You have nothing. Your arrogance and this gets to Silicon Valley. These oligarchs, they're not powerful. They all live in fear. Okay, They all live in fear. Half of them are on the spectrum. They all live in fear. And they're going to sit there and dictate what kind of country you're going to have and what's freedom of speech. And this is the town. You know, I love Beatty, but the town square. Why are we seeing them the town square? Elon Musk. And first off, I think he's going to pull it anyway. I, I just don't see. Now they see that, that he's got to sell the Tesla stock to come over the side of it. And this thing's overpriced. And if it's not overpriced, hey, guess what? You can always jump back in and pay a couple of bucks more. Step out and let it drop 20%. And see how arrogant they are then. See how arrogant when management starts getting personally sued for breach of, respo- of fiduciary responsibility. The woman who's the head lawyer who threw everybody off, you, what do you think her liabilities are? What do you think? She drove this business into the ground. The stock was at 70 bucks. They drove it down. We're, I'm not saying we gave these guys the idea. Far be it from me. But remember when I was hammering back in December, and I think it was in January, the stock was at 35 bucks, and I was mocking them and ridiculing them. Because all their compensation compensation comes from warrants. Look at her compensation. She made seventeen million bucks. I think six fifty in cash. Another bonus of six fifty, a million bucks or so in money. But her big payoff is their warrants and options. I was mocking them because they're so underwater they can't get new talent there. And last night, you know, Chris Hayes and these guys saying, "Well, this is a culture war and nobody talented. Right has no talented people, so let them all leave and dare Elon Musk. Yeah, I dare you. Pull the bid now." And let's see how arrogant they are. Let's see how good they are. Let's see when they're on the receiving end of lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Pull the bid this morning, and let's see how tough Twitter is. Let's see the big talk of the snowflakes wringing their hands. They're going to be wringing their hands. You're going to be broke. Your company's going to be broke, and you're going to get lawsuits from everybody that bought this stock on the misrepresentations of this board and the management team who are a bunch of liars. And every, stri- every short in the business and every strike lawyer ought to be all over this right now. Have at it.
Go look at the publicly tr uh, information on this piece of crap. Pull the bid now. Here's the premier conspiracy theorist, and he has some pretty good, some pretty funny th theories, by the way. I think some of it is put forward as uh, in, in with tongue in cheek, but and then a lot of times he's correct. He's been correct. Anyway, the uh, premier conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones, on his radio and TV program, The Alex Jones Show, April 26th, conferring with his attorney, Robert Barnes, and political commentator, Roger Stone, about Musk's purchase of Twitter. Please play sound by five. They've just halted Twitter stock sales, and it's being announced everywhere as we speak. Elon Musk has taken over Twitter. So this is a big, big deal. And now the test will be, will he reinstate the former president of the United States, the real president, Roger Stone, Alex Jones, and countless others. And it's not like I even care if I'm on there. It's that it's a sign, and we're hoping Elon Musk is for real. I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. This is an epic moment, Roger Stone. It, it really is. I want my 980,000 followers back. Isn't uh, it beautiful that you haven't been here in two and a half years being under attack and you're here for the day for this? It's really extraordinary. Plus, the number of reporters at the New York Times on Suicide Watch right now is record-breaking. I mean, uh, liberals every place are about to slit their wrists because this was their sewer. This was a tsunami of hatred. It was their bullying operation. It, it, they're it, doxing. They're, it really, they, 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 literally, a million tweets or something last week, I trended number one for two days, saying, I'm coming to the feds. I say we attack January 6th. All made up. All lies. Yeah. And I couldn't counter and say that's BS. Because yeah, when they smear you, you have no enormous platform to go to. Look, I love Gab. I think they do a great job. I like Telegram. I think they but do a good job. But it is David versus Goliath. But but it's it, it's just not, you know, it never had the critical mass that Twitter has. Uh, truth I love Paul Watson's. If you don't like Elon Musk buying Twitter, just build your own Twitter. Robert Barnes, I'm so glad the two guys I love that are still the smart people I know, you and Roger Stone are together now. This is his story. We're on air right now when Elon Musk is taking Twitter over. <laughs> It's extraordinary. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of panic at Twitter uh, and a lot of its engineers and the rest because Musk has very publicly uh, stated his commitment to uh, making returning Twitter to its free speech roots. People forget Jack Dorsey said Twitter was going to be the free speech wing of the free speech party. And based on Dorsey's recent commentary, uh, it looks like somebody hijacked Twitter and took it away even from Dorsey because Dorsey appears that he's still unhappy with how oh, Dorsey's come out and attacked CNN, Stelter, and censorship. When I was told by, I'll just say it, uh, Roger Stone's here with us, and we've got you here. You know, I shouldn't say who, but I, <laughs> I sorry, just I'm not going to even talk about it. But the point is, I was told two years ago, no, no, Jack Dorsey's a listener. He's been taking control of, and I'm like, I don't really believe that. And the guy goes, okay, here's the text messages. Alex Jones is always right. I listen to him every day. I wish I could have stopped this, but hopefully you guys can defeat it. And that was Jack Dorsey. I mean, I was shown these texts by a very famous podcaster, the most famous podcaster of him saying that. And I was dumb like four years ago. I didn't believe it when I was told he was actually on my side. Uh, it's really quite extraordinary. Uh, my, my appeal to Mr. Musk would be to clean house. 
You you cannot trust the people. That oh, he have said he's going to turn their main headquarters in San Francisco into a homeless shelter. Great idea, terrific idea. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, he really needs to clean house. You've already seen the attitude of the employees and management. The statement they put out in opposition to Musk. We don't care about profit. We don't care about the company. We're not going to. Yeah. And we take no direction from the board. See, the board seat was a trap. If Musk had taken a seat on the board, he would have been prohibited from acquiring more stock. So that was a trap. He very wisely sidestepped that trap. Uh, this could be a, a this could be a monumental day for free expression and the right to because one big domino falls, they all fall. Robert Barnes, I'm so glad you're here with us in this historic moment. This is big, and no doubt about it. And I think it was also a smart move by Musk because there's aspects of the Biden administration, aspects of the deep state that want to uh, control Musk and have been threatening various forms of civil and criminal investigations to try to punish him. And if you are the owner, he's he said he's going to take Twitter private. So we'll no longer have any ESG corporate board or any of that nonsense. And uh, he, what he'll have is he'll have one of the loudest platforms in the world to fight back. So this will put you know, this was a good chess move by Musk to counteract deep state efforts to derail his uh, other economic agenda. And it's great for free speech. I mean, the, we'll see if he delivers. I mean, that's the big open question. Can Elon Musk deliver on his? returning Twitter to its free speech origins. But he's made very public promises to this effect. He's taking the company private, so almost its only purpose can be to restore its free speech origins. And if you also changed its algorithms, remember the most nefarious part of Twitter isn't just its censorship, it's that it algorithmically manipulates what topics it allows to trend. Shadow banning, total manipulation. Absolutely, not only that, like, I mean, critics, like, me, I'm a critic of our, our involvement in the in getting involved. I agree with Trump. We should stay the heck out of Ukraine. Uh, but I get bombarded with pro-Ukraine uh, tweets of people whose accounts I don't follow. Why? Because that's the algorithmic manipulation, to emotionally manipulate the audience to a preordained conclusion. So it's not just the censorship. It's the algorithmic manipulation, which James O'Keefe and Project Veritas have helped detail and expose. Absolutely. And so let me ask you about this question. How do we put loving pressure on Elon Musk to be true, how do we back what he's doing? Because if it's even if it's public stock, it's going to triple now. If it's private, it's going to triple. What do we do? Because, I mean, it'll be very disconcerting if he doesn't restore Trump. I'd love to hear Alex Jones. That's great. You're not to say that, Robert. But obviously the former president, he needs to be reinstated instantly. Trump has shot his mouth off and said, I won't even go back there. Well, that's I think that's that's just not a smart statement. Alex Jones' Twitter account, which, along with Roger Stone's account, had been permanently banned from Twitter, was reinstated. Looks like they're already making some moves with Twitter to appease Musk. No word as of this time about Roger Stone's banned Twitter account with almost a million uh, followers. I read the other day that former Twitter head Jack Dorsey has stated recently that he thought one of his greatest mistakes was letting Wall Street figures tell him what to do with Twitter. I took that to mean turning Twitter into the left-wing propaganda juggernaut it has become. A Chinese communist university professor, I believe it was last year, but recently, related that the CCP's, quote, friends, unquote, on Wall Street, quote, couldn't fix Trump, unquote. That is, convinced Trump to go along with continuing with continuing to let the CCP and many on Wall Street get rich at America's expense. 
I'm sure this had a lot to do with the coup that removed Trump. After all, these disgusting oligarchs were not about to let Trump interfere with their fabulous riches gained in sweetheart deals with the CCP in China. And I say at the expense of the Chinese people and environment there. Finally today, here's commentary. Here's commentator Dr. Steve Turley, Dr. Steve Turley's take on the Musk takeover of Twitter. It's from Turley's Turley Talks program. You can find it on YouTube and elsewhere on the Internet, such as on Rumble.com. Play soundbite six, please. The fallout from Elon Musk buyout of Twitter continues. It's being widely reported that the Musk buyout is nothing less than a nightmare come true for the woke-infested work environment at Twitter. The Bezos-owned Washington Post is saying as much. They're reporting that employees are absolutely demoralized, fearing mass layoffs on the horizon. Some employees are already taking matters into their own hands, committing harikari, looking for the exits, and hoping to create chaos for Twitter users in the coming months. Now, of course, this is isn't new a few weeks back when it was first being reported that Musk had uh, was trying to acquire Twitter. A number of employees already said that they would leave if, if he bought the company, which prompted the CEO of Substack to publicly, publicly come out and say, don't come here. <laughs> don't even apply. You're damaged goods. You got woke warts all over you. You got no home here. But now that Musk's deal has gone through... Twitter employees are reportedly freaking out over the fact that their jobs are about to go bye-bye. The current CEO, Parag Agrawal, tried unsuccessfully to assuage those fears, saying that there were no layoffs planned, quote, at this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that little qualifier did little to quell the epidemic of anxiety sweeping throughout Twitter personnel, I assure you. At this time, there are no planned layoffs at this time. Perhaps Agrala was thinking of his own job. Musk has hardly been shy in voicing his loathing of the Twitter board. Agrawal himself perhaps being the biggest target. As I'm sure you all know, Agrawal is a horrific violator of free speech and has been for some time. In an interview with Technology Review back in 2020, he said, quote, Our role at Twitter is not to be bound by the First Amendment, but our role is to serve a healthy public conversation and our moves are reflective of things that we believe note again we believe lead to a healthier public conversation the kinds of things that we do about this is focus less on thinking about free speech but thinking about how the times have changed now you contrast that with what elon musk tweeted out just weeks back right he tweeted out a poll to his 80 million plus followers on twitter Stating a proposition, then asking a question, quote, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? And 70% of respondents responded, no. And of course, that's the case. Agrawal said it himself. They're not bound by the concept of free speech. Instead, Twitter is dedicated to leading what we believe to be a healthier public conversation. We all know what that means, right? So I doubt he'll be around much longer. And as for the rest of the employees, the San Francisco Business Times is reporting that Musk could shed 
as many as a thousand jobs from Twitter. And according to at least one analysis of the deal uh, that he struck, um, they're arguing that Musk is going to have to cut costs immediately. And Musk has already stated that he'll be cutting the salaries of board members when he takes over. That's a savings, according to Musk, of three million dollars a year. But the question of layoffs obviously goes way beyond economics. Musk has acquired Twitter in order to change the culture, to wrench the company away from the grip of woke cancel culture and restore it as a global free speech platform. And he's already said that he's opposed to permanent bans and suspensions like we've seen with President Trump and Alex Jones. And that mission, that goal, which again he has said is paramount to him, He does not fundamentally care about the economics of the situation. He's stated he cares fundamentally about restoring a culture of free speech on the platform. And in that spirit, gang, by the way, if you haven't followed me on Twitter, please do so. You're going to love the mass amount of articles on the rise of a new conservative age all over the world. The information we share there is second to none. So make sure to follow me there on Twitter today. But Musk is on a mission. It's a cultural mission. Economics is secondary. That's what these analysts don't get. And so it's no surprise that many in the company are so concerned that Musk is going to indeed change the woke culture that pervades Twitter. And they should be. The momentum from the right, as we've talked about in other videos, the momentum from the right is so palatable on the platform right now. And the obvious question is how long could woke leftist employees remain in an environment that's shifting radically to the right? And that even liberals like Bill Maher and Beers Morgan admit that the political right alone is defending the notion of free speech. And so the right, in the name of the restoration of that culture, is openly calling for mass firings of woke Twitter employees. Ben Shapiro. He's been adamant about this. He's calling on Musk to fire every single one of Twitter's employees, every single one, since they all have the proverbial cancel culture blood on their hands. And more than that, he pointed out that we have stats on the political contributions made by Twitter employees. 99%, again, this goes beyond economics, gang, 99% of Twitter employees contribute to Democrat politicians. That's an environment that can no longer be sustained. Those employees have to go. And it looks like they're reading the writing on the wall and recognizing that their precious little woke world at Twitter is collapsing and their jobs are going to disappear right along with it. Now, when all is said and done, we're witnessing here, I believe, the implosion of the left's cultural power, the beginning of the end of the cultural left. Momentous occasion and stunning victory for free speech and for freedom in general. And this could indeed signal the beginning of the end of big techs and the rest of the leftist-dominated mainstream media's horrific censorship and stranglehold on public discourse in this country. Which could also mean the beginning of the end, politically, of the radical left here in America. But not if they keep rigging our elections. I sincerely hope and pray that the radical left's political demise is imminent. It won't take too long to find out. That's it for another show. As always, we hope you found our content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show in the next few days when it's posted on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. 
Look for us again two weeks from today in this same time slot. Have a great rest of your day and evening.